Deep in the farthest recesses of the most distant jungle lies a city. A city populated by the most mysterious, terrifying, and downright grotesque denizens ever seen by mortal eye. Here, in the darkened corners of this cavernous locale, sits an ordinary, average brick building with an innocuous, ordinary, average, blinking neon sign which reads, On Air. It is here where each week, Seth Breedlove and Mark Matsky convene to discuss the greatest mysteries the world has ever known. Now, strap on your hiking boots, grab your trusty walking stick, and don't forget your machete as we begin our journey through Monsteropolis. This is Monsteropolis, a show about anomalies, legends, monsters. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Seth. <laughs> Read the love. <laughs> and I'm joined, as always, by my pal, Mark Matsky. Greetings. How's it going? Uh, it's going. Mr. Seth. It's going. <laughs> I'm really excited for you to see the snake scene from Bell Witch. Oh. Um. They came up with some cool, like, practical effects on the spot that that I thought were kind of cool. So I'm excited to see nice. if it works or not. It's like a spitting cobra type thing. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's what it is. Yeah, no, it, uh, up it was a literal cobra. We brought, <laughs> brought one in. Just let him loose. Yeah, Zach didn't know what was coming. <laughs> uh, no, I'll show you some of the shots. Actually, I haven't even reviewed them yet. So okay. Um, all right, so this episode, what are we doing? Well, this is the mailbag episode. Okay, yeah. We're, we're going to be sent in a number of different directions here. Yes, and if you're like, oh, I want my mail read on the show, you can send us mail to monsteropolismail at gmail.com, and we will be thrilled yes. to, to talk nothing about Nothing makes it. us happier nothing. than receiving Literally mail. nothing in the world. <laughs> This is this is as good as it gets. Yeah, um, man, what a great movie! Mm. As good as it gets. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, uh, letters. Anything else we need to talk about on the show? You should have. If you're listening oh, to this, yeah. you should have Kickstarter rewards by now, and we may have announced the date for the Mothman Legacy sh- signing. the The movie's going to be coming out in what, like, two weeks by the time this episode hits. Hopefully by now there's been a lot of press for this movie because it seems like they're really taking their time. I'm not used to having someone else control the press and marketing of our stuff. So this has been a weird experience for me. I've been messaging them almost daily. Oh yeah. Well, the first wave was like, was pretty every wave. There's been two. Mm -hmm. The first was in January and you're right. Like for art, for us doing that ourselves to get that much press, we had every major horror related you know, sort of media uh, website run stories on it. But when we were in New York, yeah, that second wave announcement hit and that was everywhere. Right. I mean, Deadline, Hollywood Reporter. It was like all the big sites were covering mm-hmm. places we've never been covered on. Right. Um, and it's still happening. What was the one? I just post coming soon.net just ran oh, yeah. a list and we were on it. There was some big website recently. Yeah. All right. So uh, letters, let's get into it. What do we got? from our our listeners oh well i think the first thing 
that I'll mention in terms of a letter mm-hmm. has to do with a publication that we appeared in. Okay, yes. Uh, this is a new startup indie horror movie magazine. Mm-hmm. It's available only online right now. It's called Horrific, and you can find it at horrific.com. And uh, Emily from Horrific got in touch with us and then did this like full uh, whole page write-up on Monsteropolis. So it was really... You know, I wondered how it would turn out. And after I read the article, I mean, she clearly has gone through massive amounts of our mm-hmm. catalog of both Monsteropolis and Sasswat. Yeah, I was going to say going back to Sasswat. Yeah, to pull out the type of information that she did. So, mm-hmm. you know, she wrote, um, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. I'm a massive fan of all you're doing. As I've never written for a magazine before, this is huge to me. I'm extremely proud to have you guys and your show be one of my first articles. I look forward to a lot more listening and maybe working on some other cool shenanigans together down the road. Mm -hmm. You guys are seriously awesome. Keep it up, please. And then I just wanted to pull one quote from the article. This is towards the end. She said, to hear them, meaning you and me, Mm -hmm. is to be in the presence of two masterfully intelligent kooky uncles that always have the most engaging off-the-wall stories. Intelligent for you. <laughs> Probably not the best descriptor for old old Seth. Old Seth. Old scatterbrain. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I read I read the article uh the link uh, the day she sent the first link to it. Yeah. Um and it's kind of cool. It's uh it's uh it's an entire I wouldn't call it a review so much as like uh, just a maybe a descript description of what our show is and her personal sort of opinion on it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's cool. It is really cool, and it's it's the first article in this magazine. So you get yeah, cover that is true table of contents, yeah. and then whammo, whammo. There's Monstropolis. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's so, you know one thing about Monstropolis that's been funny is I always think it's not as well listened to as Saswa and it's not like it, it no. has never gotten right. to that like 80,000 an episode thing that monster or Saswa did for a little while. Um, but it's got, uh, uh, the, the listener base is much larger than I expect. Like I, I was just doing that event mm-hmm. and someone I've never met before came up to the table and said, they listened to the show. Someone else, the lady who I was telling you about who had the, the, who grew up in Clendenin, where the first sighting of the the Mothman was, she was telling me she had read about our show on a um, on a uh, uh, on a on a Reddit on like a subreddit or oh. something, and I thought that was cool too. <laughs> that so cool, yeah. yeah, people talk about it and listen to it. I just I you know you can't yeah you can't also you can't base what you think our listener base is off of what the stats are because the stats aren't right anyway because they don't count the down or they don't count streams they only count downloads. Oh, okay, so. And mm. I've, I haven't, I can't remember the last time I downloaded an episode of the Mm-mm. podcast. Yeah. Right. That's weird, but that mm. makes sense. Shannon told me that last year. Oh yeah. yeah. So I don't, yeah. I mean, I, I guess I'm in the same boat. I, I don't even, th- I rarely think about people listening to the show. Yeah. Like my mom and dad listen all the time <laughs> and Andy listens. Yeah. He's amused by the show, mm-hmm. I think, or entertained, I yeah. guess. And, but other than that, when people say they listen, it's like, oh yeah, right. that's, that's the, so pleasantly surprising. It's surprising. <laughs> yeah. She said she said she's listened to our show before, and I was like, oh yeah, yeah. And I thought, and then a second later, I was like, 
Wait, you mean you listened to the show? Because I thought you were talking about the yeah. movies or something. Uh, yeah, it's it's been it's, it's funny. Like, um, I feel like in a way, you know, Sasquatch was so focused on Bigfoot, mm-hmm. and and because of that, I think it invites a larger audience. Yeah, when you have something as broad as Monsteropolis, which is also Monsteropolis is a weird show because we don't just focus on uh, on monsters. It's as much about filmmaking and mm-hmm. our experience personal experiences making the movies as yeah. it is the paranormal mm-hmm. and that's a really specific audience of people who yeah. want to hear that sure so no doubt we're aware of this by mm-hmm. the way um but it's good i mean the the thing about that i would um, assume is a positive although there's a itunes review that uh-oh. would disagree with this but <laughs> but i mean that i guess that's Partially what makes us distinctive from other shows, because, you know, you and I have talked about how many podcasts there are mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. where people go through like case, different cases. Yeah. And it's just, I, this spooky is the stories, only, yeah, yes. spooky stories. And that's cool. But mm-hmm. this is, I guess this gives it a unique twist. Yeah. What we're doing. It's like a reason to exist. Yeah. As far as I can. Well, I think tell. our reason to exist too is that, I mean, you just mentioned it in the last episode. This is kind of our way of catching up because we really (laughs) don't outside of recording the show. We don't see, I feel like we don't see each other quite as much as we used to, to do when that's probably just because of COVID, but we don't do as much together as we did even two years ago. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like, even though you're technically closer to me now than I think you were at the time. I don't know. No, well, 2016 we've been. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> wait, wait a minute. we are old uh remember S- when you came- old uncle seth breed though <laughs> uh all right cool le- cool letter and, and and a really cool um write-up on the yeah the and the, you can the, support the the magazine as well it's cool i just have to let you know that if you do support the magazine, mm-hmm. it's not for the squeamish because yeah. it is a horror indie horror like yes. and like behind the scenes making of. So if you don't like brains mm-hmm. and guts and blood, yeah, you may want to not take a look at this, yeah, or are otherwise easily offended. Yes, but if that stuff doesn't bother you at all, uh-huh. uh, by by all means, by all means, pick up, go to horrific.com. Yeah. They're hoping, I mean, the thing that I love about it too is that, and this is issue one, mm-hmm. they're just trying to get this off the ground and I, you got to root for that, yeah. I think. They're hoping to do like a physical copy mm-hmm. if things are big enough, so. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It is. All right, so I think we will transition at this point into sort of the Skinwalker Redux portion Boy. of our episode thanks to our listeners and we're going to start with jason and jason writes hey guys listening to your skinwalker ranch episode i wonder if you've seen the show the secret of skinwalker ranch on the history channel as mark mentioned the property was bought by a businessman who features in the show i'd be curious what your thoughts are if you ever wanted to see the ranch including their high-tech command center this is a good way it covers the new owner Scientists and security people he's brought in to investigate it. For me, it's hard to get a handle on this one. There is some strange video evidence UFOs caught on camera, even an attack on some llamas brought to the ranch, and what looks like a cow that gets separated from the herd and seemingly sits down and dies while a UFO hovers above it. 
Despite all of this, the show and the people at the ranch just seem so mundane. Would love to hear your thoughts. And again, that's from Jason. Have you seen it? I no. have not seen it, okay. but I would like to see it. I was going to talk to you. I, I was going to ask you if you'd seen it when we were recording the episode. I have also not seen it. Um, I don't see a lot of reality. The only thing I'm watching still is Unidentified Season 2, <coughs> uh, which I bought uh, the entire season before the season launched and then immediately regretted it when I got oh. into Episode 1. Because I, th- I think I talked on the show how much I liked Unidentified mm-hmm. Season 1. Season 2, it's like their budget fell apart or something, and they oh. couldn't... One of the things I liked about the show in the first season was how well it was shot, and um, just it felt different from a lot of the other UFO shows and season two feels like they're trying to steer it toward being a normal, like UFO hunters type show where you're with this like team tracking down UFOs. Um, I still really respect the fact that they spend so much time on their witness interviews. Like the witnesses are still the biggest part of the show. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's an ugly show. And it went from being like one of the, oh. the best looking paranormal shows I've ever seen to an ugly looking show. The probably the best example of that is there's an interview that i can't remember the guy's name one of the main people on the show um and they clearly just sat him in front of a window and blasted the sunlight at him and so he's not only squinting the entire interview Mm. but his entire face is blown out it looks like my paul bartholomew interview (laughs) in peace to whitehall and it's just weird to see on a you know million dollar right cable network show Mm -hmm. on the history channel um so that's been odd. Um, I have not seen Skinwalker Ranch. Some things about it immediately raised red flags when I read about it. Um, it almost sounds like they're trying to turn the ranch into sort of a money-making scheme and doing a show like this. But at the same time, I haven't seen it, so I have no idea. Yeah, yeah I would love to see it just because of the scenario that's described there. Mm-hmm. And like you said, I mean, it's interesting to me that the next owner would be that interested in... Mm-hmm in that sort of investigation, unless it is the the case that that's specifically why they purchased the property. Like mm-hmm. they read Kelleher and Knapp's book and thought, Oh, we got to see if we can get in there and, and do whatever. So I'd be interested in seeing the footage if only because you know, in the original book, it seemed like all of the attempts to try and obtain footage, all nothing worked. Yeah. So my question would be, why did this work? And that didn't among other things. So, to look for that somewhere out in the I don't know who makes the show either because mm-hmm. I can tell you from dealing with like uh, a couple of the companies that make shows for History Channel I would not trust anything I see in, in the shows so I'm curious who actually makes it because mm-hmm. if it's who I'm thinking of it's probably probably avoid it but I need to yeah I need to look well that could be a re- we could do a follow up on this mm-hmm. precise thing for yeah. a future episode that'd be a fun little book report. I told you the story about the late, the company that makes the ancient alien show, their vice president calling me and her way of trying to woo us over there was to tell me no, that she was us. looking out her window and she could see the sun and the Hollywood Hills. I'm like, that's freaking great. Congratulations. <laughs> like, but they'll tell you these things yeah. in phone calls. And that's like, I wonder how many, this is probably a topic for a, a, another show sometime. Yeah. But. I, should I wonder be writing how, these down. Well, I wonder how many like paranormal people hear that and think, "Oh, what like wow, my ships come yeah, in." Yeah, my ships come in. Can I come out and see the Hollywood Hills in the distance too? But um yeah, I don't know what else to say about this. Mm-hmm. I I would like to watch the show 
we also should do a show about our experiences with dealing with ho- actual Hollywood yeah. sometime. I think yeah. that'd be kind of funny. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> especially the story that's now like apocryphal mm-hmm. of the whole um, Megan Fox oh, pitch. Yeah. Mystery uh, Machine plus Megan Fox plus small town monsters running do, around. Do, are you friends with James Fox on Facebook at all? Or do you follow him? Are you aware Mm-mm. of who, who that is? Mm-mm. Okay. He makes a lot of like UFO documentaries. Um, I'm sure you've seen some of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's got a new one coming out called The Phenomenon. Uh, okay. They just released I've the heard of trailer. This. Okay. Yeah. 1091 has it. Okay. It, he's, he's alluded to the fact that it was blocked or attempted to be blocked by i couldn't tell if he was talking about the distributor or other people involved in the making of the movie um and then yesterday he alluded to the fact that like the media itself is trying to block the the movie by Hmm. not covering it which i you know i would balk at that idea i think probably if you're running into that kind of obstacle right now it's because the there's major ufo stories that are breaking almost every day or or, right. or et related stories mm-hmm. almost every day and they probably are seeing this as like oh a movie we can actually do a story about really tease instead so just as someone who wrote for mm-hmm. papers i would assume that's mm-hmm. that might be what they're doing mm-hmm. but um james is a really cool filmmaker at the same time so um I'm interested in seeing this movie. I yeah. don't know where I was going with any of this. <laughs> James Fox, The Phenomenon. Check out the trailer. Yeah. The movie's probably going to be pretty cool. Um, we need to occasionally try to get people on the show to talk about things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't, we get requests frequently for interviews. Don't do it. <laughs> um, I can't explain why, other than the fact that once I'm asked, I immediately. Uh, forget about it and it just doesn't happen like if we have had people on the show in the past it's pretty much just because like we really wanted to talk to someone mm-hmm. um at the same time i think i forwarded you ken dugan's email yes we're going to have him on the show for sure yeah this was not aimed at you ken uh right. this is aimed at no one in particular mm-hmm. i just like I, we get requests to be on the show and i don't do it out of any spite it's just like it as soon as it comes in it goes out of my brain mm. so um, but we are going to have Ken. Um, our, Great. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't I haven't print got, that one. I but. don't have a copy of the, the book yet, but as soon as I do, we're going to throw it over to you, and then we'll do... Oh, my we'll, goodness. We'll have him on to talk about it. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Yeah. That's going to Hopefully, be fun. Ken didn't tune out before I said all this. He's <laughs> like, oh, they're talking about me. No. I can read between the lines. Yeah. I, have a, I have a theological degree. I was say, he's got, you guys, the, I have a feeling that's going to be one of those episodes where I just sit here and don't talk. <laughs> I just let you, you guys talk. Well, that's the historical critical method, <laughs> don't you know? All right, uh, more Skinwalker stuff, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. This is from our pal Sky in Japan. Oh, cool. Just so, you know, when we do Full finally circle. end up in the land of the rising sun. Oh, we'll, yeah, we've talked about We'll this. have somebody to yeah. go hang out with and show us around so seek uh yeti or whatever yeah. they look for he begone he begone of northern japan yes yeah cool sky here again thank you for discussing my topic again on this week's episode i agree with seth that corbell is quite a personality in both the lazar and skinwalker docs i always fast forward through the first five minutes or so yeah. where it's just him yeah. i do like his two appearances on Joe Rogan experience, but just because he tags along with Nap and Lazar again. Yep. The visuals are great, though, and I agree that the best parts are Nap's original documentary. 
The book is so, so good. And I hope you all have the opportunity to make a series about it someday on the trail of skinwalkers. Ooh. Thanks again for the shout out and fingers crossed. Shipping to Japan goes smoothly. Your pal, Sky. Yeah. And P.S. I appreciate the suggestion to read the new Rolling Stone article about Corbell. I'll did check you, it out. Did you read that? I yet? did read it. Oh, man. I did read it. All right. So I love that kind of writing. Yeah. Oh, man. It's long. It is. That is one of the longest articles I've read in a very yes. long time. That's the type of writing that I would love to just do. Mm-hmm. If, you know, if there is some avenue for that. And it's, I just, I'm afraid it's a shrinking, it's yeah. like a shrinking part yeah, of I a shrinking market. Mm-hmm. But that's like, for example, in Sports Illustrated, always used to have like the long article at yeah, the end. Yeah, that's the type of stuff that I would just Mitch album. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So yeah, I did read that, and I thought it was super insightful. Yeah. About that whole, I mean, Corbell's part of it, but the whole yes, uh, you know, Area Fifty One storm, Area Fifty One. Michael Huntington said the article set back ufology five years. Oh wow. Um, just uh, not, not like it was the, the journalist's fault, just mm. like the way, you know, it's taking a very pointed aim, not necessarily. It's, it's hard to say this because I don't think it's the, the writer is, is I, I don't feel like he's inserting himself into it. I think he just kind of, it's almost like self parody at times when, when some of these people, what some of these people get up to, mm-hmm. was that your read on it? Like, what was your read on it? Well, I thought it it gave to me it gave insight on not ufology, but specifically that storm area fifty one mm-hmm. whole um, you know the process of how that became something that ended up being nothing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I thought that was fascinating to see how it the media covered it and made it sound like it was going to be this gigantic phenomenon, and it just wasn't. Which all of us knew. Yeah. Everyone that was watching it from the outside knew that wasn't going to mm-hmm. go anywhere. But I thought, I mean, I understand what Huntington's saying, but I think that it treated Knapp in a very mm-hmm. even-handed way. Well, Knapp... I don't know how you can... Knapp, the thing about Knapp is, like, he treats... He's he's legitimate, and he doesn't, he doesn't make a fool out of himself, mm-hmm. which is probably not what you can say for other people mm-hmm. focused on in the article. Yeah. And so, like... You know, like when you're talking about, oh, I don't know. I don't well, I mean, if you're doing that sort of long form journalism, yeah. part of what you're doing is trying to get an impression of the person. Sure. So I, he was just doing his job. I don't know. I read another book recently, uh, which we can talk about some other time probably. What it's called it? The Cold Vanish, and it mentions the Olympic Project. Oh, wow. And Derek Randalls is quoted in it. Mm-hmm. And um, it's about a kid who goes missing on the Olympic Peninsula. Okay, I saw so, you... It's a tweet really, or something yeah, about that. Yeah, 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 it's a really chilling story. Mm-hmm. But the the writer, uh, his name's John Billman. He um, he's not a Bigfoot believer at all. I wouldn't say, mm-hmm. but he treats the subject with respect because of how he saw the Olympic project use their facilities where we were. Mm-hmm. I mean, in that barn and t- putting the timeline together, we were there within weeks. No way. Of the father of that missing boy being in that barn and using it as a headquarters to search Jeez. for his son. Yeah. Um, so that was that was mind blowing. But the point being that I've seen that book. I've seen people who are members, like uh, extended members of the family, that's profiled in this book, writing scathing reviews. Like we weren't asked. 
and they portrayed the young man in a way that we just are, are extremely opposed to and stuff like that. And then I listened to an interview with the author and he doesn't strike me as like out to get anyone. Mm-hmm. He's just trying to cover the story from his perspective. And yeah. I mean, that's what writing is. It's not the objective truth. We experienced that in every we UFOs. Yeah. I think it, right. there was, a, there was someone that was in UFOs and I actually did everything I could to portray that person in a, in a rational way, mm-hmm. which was difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she, she, uh, they blew up on us. Right. So, yeah. So, I mean, you can't get around it. If mm-hmm. you're writing something, if you're making a film, mm-hmm. you're, you're filtering that through a consciousness. Yeah. And so, you know, the way that Corbell came across in the article is the way he came across to that writer. Yeah. But I don't think he, the writer didn't strike me as like, like spiteful. Or, no. Yeah, yeah. No, just trying to grapple with this weird situation. Yeah. Of, and a weird person. Yeah. Like, yeah. Really. yeah. So. I'm a weird person too, by the way. That isn't necessarily <laughs> an indictment <laughs> no. of anybody. No, not at all. So that, yeah. I think that's all on that one. But it's great. I, I love the fact that we get letters from Japan. Yeah. It just makes me happy. That is cool. <laughs> All right, this next one is the Cahokie Light. Is that am I saying that right? Is that Cahokie or Cahoke? I thought it was Cahoke, but I, yeah, but I'm not sure. I don't know. I, so, I know. I think these. I think the Cahoke Light was focused on in like Unsolved Mysteries or something at some point because okay. I knew the name as soon as I read it. Yeah, but I'm not positive. Well, I will go with Cahoke. Okay. Then. Well, yeah, I'm probably wrong, so don't do that <laughs> because of me. But whatever you want to do. Okay. So, um, this is from Jed. Hey, Monsteropolis, hope you guys are doing well in the coronasphere. Wish, <laughs> we, wish we could have a beer from a safe distance. I'm writing from San Francisco where the sky was bright red-orange, like the first moments of dusk all day because of a plo- apocalyptic fire smoke. Yeah, I'd attach a picture, but you can find better ones online. I'm months behind in the podcast, so while I feel like I know you from listening... To hours upon hours of you talking. It's a dated version of you. Maybe in the last four months, everything has changed and you have broken up and I just haven't learned yet. Uh, I'm living in the halcyon Monsteropolis past. Conversely, when I heard you start announcing your mysteries and monsters events so many times, (laughs) I was was already living in the new viral regime and winced for your future selves and the likely bummers to come, which eventually did come. I came to STM in a roundabout way. I'd never been interested in monsters or cryptids, despite being interested in UFOs from space. I always thought the idea of monsters on this planet was total hogwash. That is, until reading Hunt for the Skinwalker a couple years ago and started to be turned on to the many lines of evidence suggesting some connection between orbs, craft, and appearances by creatures of the Bigfooty variety and others and starting to be turned onto the data that indicates that UFOs may be a lot weirder and more complex of a phenomenon than just a civilization from a planet somewhere, and may be more reality-based in some mind-bending way, and may even be from here or quote-unquote here. Then, though you guys always talk bleep about missing 411, it drew me in further to your realm because of the obvious, to me, tie-in, between what those cases suggest, particularly as represented in the film Missing 411, The Hunted, free on Prime, haha, and a good bunch of the Skinwalker stories and the Sierra Camp recordings, which I was gratefully exposed to for the first time from the Missing 411 movie. Again, I'm not a Bigfoot person. 
some kind of creature with predator-like shimmering invisibility, strange, somewhat haughty, and accusatory-sounding mystery language coming from somewhere in the air above them, orbs, the telltale smell, big footprints, and seeming portals opening and closing. These come up in multiple venues, and it's a lot to think about. I even think one of the original pre-NIDS Skinwalker Ranch stories involves Bigfoot's in a UFO wearing uniforms, WTF. By the way, before I leave the topic, I have bought zero of Politis's books, paid to watch zero of his films, and imagine he's probably a bit right-wing for my taste, but I really disagree that he's exploiting missing people for money or whatever Seth said in an episode. I can tell from watching many of his videos that he really cares about victims' families as well as keeping people safe in the outdoors. He also encourages people to get his books from libraries. Then I came upon STM and watched almost all the films in order, they also give one a lot to think about in terms of the nature of reality. I know Seth has intimated in the show that he doesn't believe or disbelieve his subject stories per se, but I really privilege first-person reports. Of course, people's senses can be mistaken, but people who live near the land also know extraordinarily well when something is out of place or unusual, and if they say they saw X, I assume they saw X. If a whole bunch of other unrelated people also saw X, I think it is safe to assume X is a thing. So, coming from that paradigm, I'm led to believe from the STM repertoire that there is likely weirdness of the skin walkery grab bag variety all over this crazy country. What does it all mean? You guys have also given me a new respect for Ohio. I have passed on through precisely one road trip and didn't think much of it, except that my stay for a day or two in Cleveland with a friend was nice enough. I would generally talk bleep about Ohio the way people generally feel entitled, entitled to talk bleep about my home state of Texas without ever having visited. But my goodness, you guys are always talking about yet another new insane thing in Ohio that I Google in awe. Ancient mounds, megaliths, mystery lore, stones, monsters in multiple corners, UFOs galore. What the hell is going on up there? I feel like you guys really need to make a weird Ohio website or catalog or something. You're basically the international boosters and goodwill ambassadors for weird Ohio anyway. So, okay, the original point of my email. Yes, there was one. I was finally motivated to write you guys by the first 30 seconds of this movie, which made me laugh out loud and, I, and know I had to reach out. I feel like you guys have already heard of everything, but have you already seen this film, The Cohoke Light? And there is a link embedded. I haven't listened to every episode of the podcast, so if this was covered at some point, my apologies, Squires. If not, this is right up your alleys. Not only does it focus on a small town, and not only is it about mystery lights, and not only does it posit a wild and unorthodox theory, but I also know that Seth will have plentiful comments to make about the filmmaking choices from the very first shot onward. I sure did. Despite the slight MST3K opportunities, there is certainly some interesting stuff in there, Worth a watch for sure at 50 minutes or so. If it does turn out to be new to you, not the light, but the film, let me know what you think. Stay well. And Mark, please talk more. Your wonderful accent and pastoral tone ease a troubled monster nation. Maybe you should host some episodes. All the best to y'all. Hope to see you in California or a creepy town someday. And that's Jed. And then there's a P.S., in my ramble, I forgot this important thing. As a fan of independent filmmaking and grassroots endeavors of passion and activism, which is really what kept me uh, coming back for more than the monster content, 
I have to say how completely bat bleep insane it is to know how many films you have produced in how short of a time. It's unprecedented as far as I'm aware, especially to then also midstream suddenly get the whole catalog and wide release and visible to people who aren't niche monster people like me and to not be close to stopping. So just major props to you from an independent making things point of view. Best of luck writing out this wave of slow apocalypse. Maybe that weird Ohio catalog will sell widely. That's it. Man, I don't even know where to Comprehensive. go. Comprehensive. Um, have I talked? So one thing I know is I don't think Mark talks any S about... <laughs> <laughs> about David Pilates. I think I would almost consider you a fan. Um I would say, yeah, I mean I I'm interested in hearing him. Okay. I would say it that way. I I do have questions. I, I'm I will say this. At this point in time, I wish he would drop the objective facade. Mm-hmm. I feel that he clearly has something in mind. Yeah. And he's he's just not doing it okay and he's purposefully not doing it because he's smart yeah he knows that once he says here's what i think it is then the whole game changes but um i beyond that i don't really have an impression of him and what he is up to or what his motives are um grumpy is like my because i've been around him a few times and he just he just is not doesn't seem very pleasant um he deals with subjects I would never even touch mm. just because so disturbing. Right. So, um, yeah. And I don't weigh in too heavily on, I don't think not publicly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, um, one thing I could say is like, I've, I've watched both the movies and really uh, respected the filmmaking craft behind them. Uh, and I've talked about it on the show. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, especially the hunted. I thought had a, had a really, I mean, at times I would, masterful cinematography like um we're but but uh, dovetailing back into what you just talked about like my issue with that movie was that it ends with these stories that are in no way connected to missing people other than the fact that he's clearly trying to point you toward those the topic of those stories being responsible for the topic of the first three stories which is the first three stories i think it's three stories are missing people and the back half of the movie is about shape-shifting aliens and trees and and bigfoot yeah and so like clearly we're trying to make a connection here but not say it and i think that's yeah it's like you said there's yeah at some point like pick a lane i think so yeah yeah i mean uh it's it'd be different if he had picked stories that were missing people that might have paranormal elements Mm -hmm. pick two stories for the back of that that are in no way connected to missing Uh, people okay that you know the Sierra sounds right. and, and uh, some sort of like cloaked alien creature seen mm-hmm. here in Ohio mm-hmm. um, by someone that's not connected to a missing persons case. Both right. of those stories are not missing persons. Yeah, I mean that's what I thought. It was bewildering, um, you know. Except, I mean, I, I can understand. It's it's Ron Moorhead's kind of this cool like n- new age sort mm-hmm. of spiritual dude. Mm-hmm. And getting him in a film, I think, is worthwhile. The Sierra Sounds story is one that I am on record as being pretty enamored of. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the thing is, there there's nothing at all in the Sierra Sounds story from beginning to end that has to do with missing people. Yeah. So I think your point is pretty valid. Like, if this is the closest he's come to 
telegraphing a direction. Mm -hmm. And if it's not, if he's not doing that, then why, you know, why do that now? I mean, everyone knows Mm -hmm. that he's published Bigfoot books and, and missing people books and never brought those two things together. So it, it's pretty suggestive. Yeah. Not just being just, just the other thing I think is just being less, uh, be, being like nicer to people. <laughs> yeah. Just be a normal person. Yeah. Just a little kindness. Yeah. Goes a long way. Yeah. Um, what, what, and on that note, uh, you know, the book that I mentioned before, the cold vanish, mm-hmm. um, of course, Politis comes up in that cause mm-hmm. it's a missing story, a missing person story. Mm-hmm. And, the, the writer of the book had, has written for Outdoor Magazine, I think it is, mm-hmm. and had prof, done a profile on a missing person's case in which he brings up Politis. Mm-hmm. And he evidently said some things about Politis that Politis didn't like oh, because yeah. he emails him to say, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, you can imagine him saying this, you know, I'm disappointed in the way that you yeah. portrayed me. And he puts that in the book too. So I thought that was, that was pretty interesting because he acknowledges like now if you're going to talk about national parks and missing people, you have to. You have to talk about yeah. missing 411. It's yeah. just become a part of the conversation now. Mm-hmm. And it, it, there is some interesting, you know, the, the stuff that Politis talks about, namely the stonewalling or the lack of cooperation from the park system, is a real thing because he encountered the same thing. Sure. And there's there's differences in the Olympic Peninsula, for example, between the the national park system and a state forest Mm -hmm. and in what you can do there what you can't do and like literally on one side of the river you've got no cooperation pretty much we're working on it blah 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 and on the other side it's uh local sheriffs that are in charge Mm -hmm. of any type of missing person search and uh, just the responsiveness levels and things are all different but it's the same area you know and that's the type of thing that these poor families and people run into when their loved one goes missing. Yeah. Um, all right. So this entire episode was uh, geared around our listener mail. Uh, if you want to send us mail, monsteropolismail at gmail.com. Again, do we have anything else to touch on in that letter? The Kohok, like, I yeah, didn't get a chance to watch this yet. I have not yet either. Yeah. So I guess that's part of our We're gonna have to come back assignment to yeah. is, um, is Kohok Light skinwalker ranch yeah. show on history yeah. is that what it was yeah. history and um yeah, it is okay so we'll have a watch party and then Can't get wait. back <laughs> we'll do it in the parking lot at fishers <laughs> yeah uh, all right uh find us on social media um uh facebook twitter instagram and uh small town monsters small town monsters.com we got a lot of stuff coming up next year, so just stay tuned if you're into this stuff. We're launching a Patreon very soon, too, by the way. Not for Monsteropolis. It's small-time monsters related. <laughs> so. All right. Uh, thanks for listening. Monsteropolis is proudly presented on Wadsworth Community Radio 97.1 FM or streaming live at wadsworthcommunityradio.com. It is proudly underwritten by Thurber's Jewelers on the Square in downtown Wadsworth. <laughs>